Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One day in the pubs there, band Verity, were socialising with hilarity. They knew there and then that their options were vast. They bought some equipment and made a podcast. What do you think you are doing, you twits? It's cliched and obvious, you know. Welcome to Three in a Bar. My name is Seb Philpot. And my name is Verity Simmons. Yes, that's right. And if you've never listened to us before, well, this is a podcast that comes out every week and we talk to a different musician each time. That's right. Some people you might not have heard of before, but hopefully throughout the episode, you feel like you've got to know them. Yes. Uh, Well, this week is somebody that you might have heard of. Oh, I should think so. He's quite famous, this one. Yeah. Verity, do you want to let our listeners know who it is if they haven't already looked at the the name on the the top of the... (laughs) In case you haven't read the description, this week we have got singer, songwriter, guitarist, X Factor winner, Matt Cardle. Yeah. Ha-ha! And you resisted doing the the voice. I so desperately wanted to and then I thought, is it going to cause offence? So I stopped myself. Which is a rare moment for me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I don't know if Peter Dixon has a copyright on that in a certain inflection and intonation. I mean, now that, yeah, now that I haven't done it, I don't feel like I can try and pass it off as my own. <laughs> Unfortunately, we haven't got Peter Dixon here, the announcer from X Factor. We've got Matt Sheridan Cardle, as uh, his Wikipedia page says, that's his full name, born the 15th of April, 1983. He's an English singer and songwriter, born in Southampton, grew up in Essex. Yeah, he won the seventh series of The X Factor and received a £1 million recording contract with Psycho Music. Oh, yes. Simon Cowell's label. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So before that, he was in uh, bands as a guitarist and singer, Darwin and Seven Summers. That's right. Who I think he's still playing with now, isn't he? Like, they... Got I believe so. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he won X Factor, which is obviously huge. Pretty, uh, pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah. And he beat the likes of One Direction, didn't he? Like it, it was a big win. It was. Who was in the final? You had Cher Lloyd. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, One Direction. And One Direction and, and him. And Matt Cardle. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we've never interviewed an X Factor winner before. No. Or anyone that's been in X Factor. So we got all the scoop on that and yeah. what that was like the process 
how it has obviously completely changed his life. He talks about coming out the other side of X Factor and he's very candid about the experience he had afterwards, which wasn't entirely positive. But he, the way he speaks now about his, because he's about to release his fifth studio album, he's released the first single from the album already called Purple Crayon. Go and check it out. It's really good. Um, and But he talks very positively about music and how he's enjoying it again now. Um, but he definitely for a number of years did not have a great time and a lot of it down to what happens when you come out the other side of the X Factor, I think. That's right, yeah. He yeah, he does talk about um some tough moments mm. early on, having just won it and not being thought of as the musician that he, he thought of himself as, but being seen as more of a commodity yeah. by a big, you know, big old uh, record label. And a few years later, suffering from uh, addiction problems yeah. from alcohol and Valium. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because he now talks about his addiction in this new material that he's writing now, the new album. In fact, the yeah. single Purple Crayon, well, he'll talk about it, but it is yeah. um, inspired by his Valium addiction. So it's mm. great that he can, he feels really positive about talking about it so candidly now. Oh, also he's done some uh, musicals as well in the West oh, yes. End. yes. Yeah. So he's done Memphis mm-hmm. and Strictly Ballroom. Now, my brother played uh, trombone in Strictly Ballroom, Barney Philpott. Yeah, and he met him. They got on a treat, didn't they? Yeah, they met at the Sits Pro, which is where the singers sing it through with the orchestra just yeah. to see how it all fits together. And they, they hit it off very well. But how did we get in touch with Matt, Matt Cardle? That was through That was Phil. through a big friend of the podcast. Not that he's big, I just mean that he's a big friend of ours. Um, yeah. Phil Donnelly, yeah. Because yeah, they, they worked together. Phil. They worked together on Jesus Christ Superstar. And I think they work together now. I think Phil might have played for some of his stuff too. Right. Correct okay. me if I'm wrong, Phil. <laughs> so we had a really lovely conversation with Matt um, and, well, this is it. Let's go right into Come it, Come on, we? let's go. Yeah. This is our chat with Matt Cardle. Matt Cardle. Well, that's going in now, isn't it? <laughs> nice to see you all. And you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. Oh, stop it. Your... Thank you for having me. Honestly, this is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever done one of these and it was it wasn't uh, it wasn't particularly um professional it was a friend of mine doing you know and it, but it was just so much fun yeah. and I'd never done one before but this is way way more slick I like honestly it. it's a, it's such a ruse the whole thing it's just a brilliant opportunity to chat every week I love it it's so wicked good. we need it god do we need it right so yeah. much so so much hey congratulations on your new single it's amazing thank you oh, do you want me to start recording when oh, do you want yeah, me to on. sorry oh. that's all right sorry I on. didn't Stick it on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'll say it to you again then. Don't worry. Yeah. I just keep doing it. I'd like it. to hear that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, just keep saying that for ages. <laughs> it it's great. It actually was recording a little. Sorry, I just uh, press record now. And <laughs> and we're rolling. Wait, there we go. There we go. <laughs> sorry Brilliant. Yeah, no, so uh, massive congratulations on your new <laughs> single. You. It's totally, totally brilliant. Are you delighted you. to That's... have it out now? Yeah, I am. It's um, it's been three years since the last album. You put so much of yourself into it, and uh, for want of a, a much better sort of term, it's it's a bit like giving birth. There's no pain. Well, there is pain involved, as we all know. It's stressful <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but you know, it, it takes so much to do it, and you kind of you're, you're spent afterwards. And I really 
really didn't think I was going to be ready to get into another album for a, a bit longer than this. But then lockdown happened, and yeah. um, me and my Mrs. Amber, she she's she loves music and she loves being in the studio with me. And we we know we sit in here and we drink and we get up to no good and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's like we just thought, well, why do we? Do you want to play around with you know the studio? And she was like, well, how, what are you doing there? We like pressing buttons and and finding synths and sounds and stuff. And then we started writing together, and and that's where Purple Crayon came from. Was was uh. me and her writing together. And one thing I've I've not struggled with, but over over the over the years of co-writing with people the single most important thing is to be on the same page about a lyric especially and that's the hardest part of, of every song if you ask me is the lyric um and you can't be more on the same page as your partner there's no one else that you sh- you should be if you're not <laughs> there's yeah. a problem you know <laughs> um so yeah it just it happened really quickly and i produced the track myself I, I haven't been doing that a lot ever before on my albums and i just have been working really hard at production over the last sort of 5 years yeah and once we'd written it i was like well i'll, I'll well there it is it's finished i'll i'll get someone else to mix it because i'm i'm not a mix engineer by any stretch but yeah i'm super happy that was the longest answer ever but yeah <laughs> you know, i'm super happy with it and with this one did was it the lyrics that came first to you then because i know like well obviously we know what it's about because we've done our research but tell our listener <laughs> brilliant no, i love that i told you you guys are slick um it's professional no do you know what um it uh, this is it comes back to what I was talking about earlier about being on the same page like because the song is about um you know the struggle I had with addiction and and recovery and and rehab and all that kind of stuff it's not so I feel very comfortable talking about it and it's not a shame thing because there's no shame in any of it but I do understand why people wouldn't want to talk about it you know and mm. I've spoken to people about it before and in songwriting sessions and it's it's one of those things if you if you're really involved with someone which Amber has been since since, you know, that all happened. It's easy to talk about, but, you know, when someone tries to talk to me about something I have no idea about, I'm a bit like, I don't really want to say anything because I don't know, you know, and I, yeah. I got that from a couple of writers that I was working with. And also someone would throw out a suggestion and it's just, it's just, it's not right because, you you know, you weren't there and all that and I wouldn't want anyone to be there or to go there. But because me and Amber are so close and she's she's known everything about it, it was so easy to write about because, you know, we could knock heads over it. But the lyric didn't come first. We were actually, she was out walking the dog and I, I came and I had the bass line and oh, actually, no, we worked on that together. I had some, I had the chord progression and a couple of ideas and she came back and we, it all together from the ground up, we did the bass line together. We did all, all the, you know, all the synths, all the, and it, it go, they go through so many stages, as you guys know, it's like Purple Crayon version 12, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and then the next bit, and it's final. like, you just get, yeah, ab, yeah. Fi- ab, actually final. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so, but honestly, um, Seb, it didn't get to that point with, it. it we there were there were a few versions of it and then it, it gets to the point where you know you need your hands taking off it really otherwise you're just going to fill it until it's yeah. Unlisten- yeah. unlistenable so we just sent it to chris um elms the mix engineer who's absolutely uh, amazing and yeah we got it back and a couple of tweaks and, and away we went do you have trusted people you would send a mix to to say hey what do you think of this is this good or is this shit yeah i i do you know what i i think it's a tricky one, that, Seb, because it's like, you know, like a snail's eye. 
<laughs> have you, do you ever yeah. see snails? Oh, yeah. You touch one. If you touch one, it goes, and it shrinks away <laughs> back into itself. Yeah. So you can kind of be like there in the studio, like, oh, I've got this thing. Oh, all excited about it. And you play it to them. They're like, no, I'm not sure. And you're like, <laughs> and then you can quite easily just yeah. drop it yeah. and leave it. And I've got lots of stuff that... I know is good, but someone else has heard it and gone, I'm not really sure about that. And I've gone, oh, maybe it is shit. And it's like, oh, damn. So mm. you've got to be careful about the who you play it to. And yeah. like, try and play it to people that A, you trust their judgment, but B, they're going to not be too brutal about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but then you can't be having people sugarcoat your stuff for no, you as well. It's you hard, know? That, isn't it, yeah. asking for advice of, of something because people, if they're your friend, they, they might not want to say it's bad yeah. or if it needs a lot of work. Exactly, yeah. They might just say, yeah, yeah, yeah it was cool, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's in itself as bad as as saying, mm. you know, something negative. Yeah. You should, you should hear if it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please tell me it's crap. Yeah, exactly. But then do you have a, like an archive of things that are just sat there waiting to, to go back into and bring back a few years down the line? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm actually working on one at the moment that I wrote with David Sneddon back in 2012, oh, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And I got my old music teacher. He played the um, organ in the cathedral in Bury St Edmunds. Yeah. And there was a piece that I was like, Adrian, would you come and play the, the organ on it? And he did. Um, you you might know uh, the original A wasn't 440 hertz. It was 435 hertz. So the organ's at 435. So we got it back to the studio. And we're like, oh, shit, it's all out. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we didn't have the tools at the time. I think if we just used Melodyne, it would have been fine. But, like, I just was like, oh, God, I can't use it. And it kind of really just did my head in about the track. And I've just literally got that session back and someone's tuned the organ. So I'm working on something from nearly eight years ago oh, now. Oh, that's so great. Um, that's interesting. <clears throat> but how do you I've feel about loads. it now, coming back to it? It, yeah, it's slightly confused. To be honest with you, I wasn't in a good place when I was writing it. It was, you know, probably six months before I started to take a bit of a downhill turn. And a lot of the stuff I was doing at that time wasn't really wasn't really coming together. And it was, you know, the third album that I did, Porcelain, I, I know for a fact that, you know, my manager was like, oh, can we get a bit of this, you know, some more BVs here and next are added. I'm like, no. Uh, and I, that was when I knew, I, I think that's when I started to feel like I had a bit of a problem because I, something that I hold up so high in, in my life, I'm not caring about anymore. And I'm going, oh, just sod it, whatever, you know, and that was really telling. So there were, there were a few tracks out there that I know aren't up to par because I just couldn't be bothered to do anything about it. I was like, sod it. It is what it is put it out were you just feeling burnt out at that point then did you just had it well I was I, do you know what I'd I'd just finished well I'd done the first record that it done really well it went platinum in, in the UK and Ireland and you know seemingly that wasn't enough for Sony and I don't think that was the case they just had bigger fish to fry I think with regards to One Direction and again with the whole you know with the whole snail thing it's like if if you do that and then you the next thing is the label doesn't pick up the second option and then the press has it that it was poor sales that you feel really dejected you feel like yeah. well why am I doing this and then you know the second album 
I, I did three in three years and I'm, I was writing it all myself and it was like, that's a lot for anyone. Yeah. You know, for like a whole album every year. And by the third mm. one, I was, like you say, I was just burnt to a crisp. I was like, I can't, you know, the songs aren't coming out as good as they need to be. The production's suffering. It's like, I'm, I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm very unhappy. I needed a break and I, I think uh, I got one, but I didn't think I'd end up <laughs> having a break where I had a break, if you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But was that maybe a sort of result of your own sort of decision to, to write a lot? Uh, because I, I imagine like for people who've won the X Factor, they're often not expected to maybe write any of their, their like especially the first album maybe. Yeah. But that would have been your, your decision to really have a bit, a bit of creative control. Yes, it was, Seb. And you know what? And it, it's a really good point, actually. The, the, the second, like... I remember sitting there in the, in the um, the electric diner with uh, the head of Columbia and and my A and R man for the for the album um, Chris Briggs, and I was just like, "Look, it's been it's been mad. It's been a bit of a mess. Like all the fame and all that kind of stuff getting in the way of being able to actually knuckle down and." write an album and and also like what do I write about now I was just not in the right space I got the album out and it was great but I said to them I just want to go away and take some time and write uh, the the next album over this year and and I remember him saying look we'll tell you when you can do that all right because they knew deep down that Psycho had gone just do one and just get rid of him because we're going to make One Direction, I think. So the second album was a fight back, basically. It shouldn't have been out that in 2012. I just put a platinum album out in 2011. I should have been celebrating. Yeah. Going, woo, and, you know, having a holiday and stuff. But yeah. it was it was just kicking back at, at what had happened to me. I was like, fuck you, I'm sorry to swear. But it was yeah. totally like, it was like that was what it was. Yeah. So that second album is very kind of angry and it's kind of angsty and it's very indie and it's all guitars and big drums. And um, one, of the, one of the best things about it is when it came out, it got to number eight and in Sony headquarters, every Friday they project on a big screen in their atrium, the top 10 singles and top 10 albums of that week and I'd beaten that Sony Sony had Paloma Face album and she came number nine and I came number eight and I was like <laughs> they must be sitting there in the atrium going oh we let him go last year didn't we you know, and it's just like I'm an indie little indie label he's beaten any of us it's yeah. like yeah okay go on then there's so, a celebration moment right there <laughs> absolutely I, I was like have that quietly yeah. but you know the second one was definitely a retaliation to, to being yeah. let go unnecessarily mm. and like I said to um, my manager at the time, we were in LA, we were there for about six months writing and they said, oh, Sony haven't picked up the second option. And I was like, well, you know, what what more did they want, uh, you know, <laughs> from the first album? And I was like, what are the press going to say? Can, because it didn't sell badly at all. And I just said, can we please just keep it like, either keep it quiet or just be factual about it? and be nice but no obviously not it's like axed for poor sales and all this sort of shit and I'm like that's all I didn't want was was that stigma that attached to why I left you know it wasn't the right fit for me I know that but don't say that publicly like very publicly at they're the time. so was, desperate to to knock people down though that's the, it's just that whole yeah. especially at that time it seemed like you know it was yeah. like building people up I mean like 
your series of The X Factor had like the highest viewing figures, didn't it, of mm. any of them? It's like they want to build you up, build you up, build you up, and then just like knock you down. And yeah, it's, it's, try, it's, it's sad. absolutely, cl- it is sad and it's absolutely classic. And yeah. even my local press, you know, the House to Gazette at the time. And my mum and dad, um, I think my mum went down there. Actually, she was fuming. She's not. She's not <laughs> like that. But uh, she, we had. They had been at our door and on our phone every day. Can we? What can we write? What can we write? Oh, can we write something? Can we write something? And then as soon as I got dropped from Sony, there was a big headline. It was like Matt Cardle uh, gets the axe from Simon. Um, and it's just <sighs> like. Yeah. We gave you so much, and then the minute you've got a bit of dirt, you splash it, and it's just oh. so out. And we're like, you know, don't ever call us again. No, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, horrible people. Absolutely. So, is that first album that you released, the Less album? Did you feel like you had much creative control over that one at the time? As far as writing goes, I remember being in Columbia headquarters at Sony Building and being sort of played songs, and you know, I did give my Seven Summers band album to my manager at the time and said look I write you know like it might not be the best writing but I at least want to co-write and I remember they were playing me some songs from some people and they weren't I, I wasn't connecting with them because it wasn't my music and it wasn't my lyrics and I said and I was like well I, they were like well you have to play something then and I was so intimidated I remember going walking outside and having like 10 fags like trying to find one of my half decent demos to go oh back into this room with six people on the big speakers and play it and it was like I'd just been doing it on like really rudimentary on logic like logic drum loop and me like in a hotel room in Ireland like yeah <laughs> and there I am in, in Columbia headquarters trying to impress all these people and I'm like Oh my you know, god. I, I did get to I did get to co write the whole thing, apart from the Gary Barlow song which was forced upon me without question or choice. <laughs> we had a song called Starlight that was that was brilliant and I'd written it with a f- bunch of guys and we were all jumping around, including the label. This is your first single. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I've co written my first single. This is amazing. And then Simon Cowell was leaving to go and do the American X Factor, leaving Gary Barlow in, in the chair. And what better way to promote Gary on the new show than to have me as my new song is a Gary Barlow track? And I'll never forget, he walked in, I was at Rack Studios, literally mixing Starlight. And he was like, I've got a song for you. Um, <laughs> And I was like, okay, like we don't need any, but okay. And he's like, Robbie Williams has said, if you don't want it, he wants it. And I remember thinking, <laughs> if Robbie wants it, he can have it. Yeah. He does it he's, he, I'm not playing second fiddle here to Robbie Williams. Like, this is bullshit. Like, you just want me to sing this song. Yeah. And they played it to me, and it was just a straight up take that song. And it was, it had all the guys on it at the time. And I was like, I don't like it. And I was like, sorry, Chris, it's not really my bag. And he's like, well, you're going to have to start to like it because it's your first single. And then I had a press interview with this guy who's like, you're going to have to. And it was like, it's real like conniving and serious. It's like, you're going to have to start lying and tell people that you connected with it the minute you heard it and that it means... And I'm like, okay, fine. (laughs) You know, like... And then all these interviews, and I'm like, so, and they're like, oh, so this Gary, and I'm like, yeah. And they're like, because you've written everything else, but this one? And I'm like, yeah. You know, I just heard it, and <laughs> it knocked my socks off. So, you know, and I'm like, 
oh, I'm such a liar, and this is so not me. Oh. Um, and it was. It was. It was a. It was a real effort for them to promote Gary and and to quite frankly not let me put a song out that was going to really connect and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I I got over it after you know therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it God. sucked at the time. I was like, and even people were like, you've written everything bar this one. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, that must have been so hard to hold your tongue in interviews. It was. It was. And it wasn't till probably about five years after X Factor. And my manager said, he heard me in an interview. He's like, Matt, you've got to stop. You've got to start being yourself about mm. what happened. He's mm. like, you not don't be bitter because I'm not bitter about it. I totally understand everything that happened. But like, you know... It's only over the last few years I've been like, yeah, that Gary song was shit. I didn't like it. I was forced to sing it. Like, that's what I should have said at the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh. like, oh, no. I'm being very, you know, those old women in 40 Towers. They're, like, complaining <laughs> about the meat and they come over. Is it? Oh, it's very nice. You know, that, that was me, like, in every interview. Like, the camera's off. I'm like, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it, it's almost like a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? You're, you've, you've won this huge composition, the most mm. famous singing composition, but actually you don't feel in control. Like you sort no. of lost, you've lost all control and you're, you're being manipulated by uh, yeah. and exploited by you know, this team of people. Yeah. None of it had my best interests at heart. That was it. We knew Starlight was an absolute banger and it yeah. was, and it would, it would have really, they tried to gear me up. They they sent me to the Kerrang Awards for God's sake. I mean, like I grew up listening to rock and roll, do you know, like, I say metal music. Yeah, Rage yeah. Against the Machine is my favorite band of all time. You know, I've got yeah. Balls on Parade written on the back of my hand and we go, I'll never forget it. It was hilarious. They're like, oh, you're going to the Kerrang Awards. I'm like, you sure? It's like, I'm, I don't follow football, but surely this is like sending, you know, a a fan from um, Liverpool into Chelsea ground yeah. to wave at yeah. everyone. You know I, mean? I was like, why are you doing that? And they were like, but you grew up on it, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. Like, but I don't want to go. <laughs> Shiny plastic man getting out. And we were like... We were in the in the car, and I was terrified because it was obviously the Kerrang Awards, and they were doing this thing. I don't know if you watch. I don't watch cricket, but they, you know, as the bowlers running up, they go. They're doing that as the cars pulling up. They're going. And then it's Jonathan Davies from Corn. Then it's like. And it's Corey Taylor from Slipknot. And I swear on my life, this no. And it was black clad. Everything all behind these barriers. I'll never forget. It went. Oh. oh no! It, this this roar oh, no. just turned into confusion. Oh, like, it's like what's he doing here? <laughs> I mean, I, I remember walking up the 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 press parade, and everyone was like, "What are you doing here?" Like. And I was oh. like, look, I, I I got the offer to come and obviously, like, I grew up listening, you know, and I, I got tested by a couple of them and I said, you know, Rage Against Machines is my favourite band. He's mm. like, go on then, give me a Rage lyric. And I was like, fine. So I just gave him half of Bulls on Parade and he was like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it back. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, fine. But yeah. the weirdest thing was that the, the, the owner of Kerrang! magazine came up to me and he was like, do you know what the, sh- the shittest thing is about this? He goes, if we went outside and got 10 strangers off the street and said, do you know who Corey Taylor is? One of them might go, oh, it's the lead singer of Slipknot. Yeah. Do you know who Matt Cardle is? Yeah. Half of them, but oh, yeah, the guy that just, yeah. He's like, do you know what I mean? You're, you're the, <laughs> here in this building, it's like you're, 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 
this big. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that's what it was making me feel. I was just like oh. sat there quivering. Jonathan Davies is at the next table, and then like, people coming and getting pictures with me for the wrong reasons. I'm just oh. like, man, oh, this, you is, this is oh, so God. backwards. <laughs> did you did you get to chat to Jonathan Davies, Corey Taylor? I chatted to Corey briefly. Um, What's he like? He's a nice guy, right? Yeah, yeah. From from the from the briefing camp that we had, I think I gave him a Siggy, nice, um, and just said thanks, thanks for everything. You know, yeah. like that uh, that you know that I've heard through Slipknot. You know, changed a lot of people's lives. That band and Biffy Clyro were there as well. <laughs> and um, yeah, all right. We're out in the smoking area, and obviously I'd just done their their song for cover, yeah. and it was like. It, there was like the fart in the smoking area, i.e. me. Like, <laughs> and they were all sat over in the corner and I was like on my own. I walked over and I was like, hey guys, I'll keep this very quick because like, obviously, I'm sorry for the key change. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry for the violins and all this kind of stuff. And blah, blah, blah. It was Simon's idea, but thank you for letting me do the song. And they were like, no, nah, that's very sweet. Thank you very much. Now oh. can you go away? Because we're trying to look cool and you're really <laughs> crapping us <style." laughs> They obviously didn't say that, but I, I wasn't even going to let them say it. I was like, thanks and good night. Bye. I'm going for a week. Oh. Yeah, bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well done oh. for going up soon, though. That's, um, yeah, good on you. That takes some balls. No, it, I, you know, it was, yeah. it was, it, it was amazing actually when, because the, the, the previous winner's song, song had been The Climb, Joe McKeldry, and I just, I was dreading it because, I mean, it's just, it's classic X Factor kind of. You know, the, the the getting off the stools halfway through the fireworks go off. I mean, they write those songs for those moments. And, uh, and no word of a lie, I was in with Biff Stannard. The guy who was kind of looking after me through that whole process musically and and uh, for a long time afterwards. And he's like, sit down, we need to talk about your winner's song. And I put my fingers in my ears <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> and I just remember him going, no, 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 no. And he was pulling my fingers out of my ears. <laughs> and he went, it's many of horror. And I was like... Shut up! <laughs> Joke. I mean, what a beautiful song. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I was like, I can't believe. And that's when I thought, oh, they might be trying to look after me a little bit here. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. might actually understand what I want to do after this situation. Didn't last very long though. Because classically, going into the X Factor, I mean, were there any other people who'd been I'm trying to? I was trying to rack my brains about this earlier. People who were like singer songwriters. Up to the point to Series 7 when you were there, had there been... I can't think of... Were there many? That, I mean, you were quite an anomaly, I, actually, weren't you? I think I was the first... I know I was the first person that was allowed to play acoustic yeah. on the on the show. And again, I wanted to do it for Nights of White Satin because it's what I used to do, sit in the pub and play that. Yeah. And Simon, he was like, he wants to do it with acoustic, does he? All right. Well, he has to do it in front of us now. Like So again, the, the whole studio was sat there and it wasn't even my camera rehearsal it was like can he do it and never in my life have four chords been so difficult to play. <laughs> <laughs> i was like do this in a pub and i've got it but like with simon going put one finger wrong and i'm gonna say no and i was like oh but they let me do it oh what they didn't do is let me tune the guitar let someone else do it and the b string was drastically out of tune so I'm like I'm in at the start and then like you could hear it over the track is slowly guitars going because that's well out of tune (laughs) (laughs) were you scouted for it um I guess in a way because doing all my bands and stuff and then I didn't have any money because I didn't have a job and uh, my mate who owned the pub said come and do some covers for money and I 
I said, no, nah, I was being too cool, Verity. I was like, no, nah, I'm in a rock band. I'm cooler than that. And he was like, it's like 150 quid a night. And I was like, when can I start? Like, you know, how long do I need to play for? So it was like three 45-minute sets we used to do. So my girlfriend at the time would come down and watch with her friends sometimes, like for about 10 minutes and go to the next pub and I'm there on my own. <laughs> One night... She filmed me doing a cover of Mercy by Duffy and uh, we went back to a house party afterwards and it got to about five in the morning as things do at these kind of events and she got her laptop out and was kind of doing something. I was like, uh, Yoga, what are you doing? She's like, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Being all shady about it. And I was like, all right. I got a call on Sunday and she was like, are we going into London on Monday? And I was like, what do you mean we're going into London on Monday? She's like, you've got an audition. And I was like, what for? She's like, I'm not telling you, but it's really cool. And I was like, I haven't got on the money to get on the train, Yoga. She's like, I'll pay. She has some money. She's like, I'll pay for you to go on the train. Me, you and Lauren go down. I was like, okay, sounds like a fun day out. We get to Stephen Street in London and um, there's a queue outside this door and they, they were like, there it is. And they ran off, like quite literally ran away. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, bit odd. And never forget, I tapped this guy on the shoulder. His name was Chris. He was a Canadian kid. And I was like, excuse me, mate, what are we queuing up for here? And he was like, um, <laughs> he, oh, it's the X Factor audition. I was like, okay, cool. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Called Jörg. I was like, ha ha, very funny. Where you, where, I'm not doing this. It's X Factor. I'm, you know. And they were like, well, we're not telling you where we are until you've done it. So go in and do it. And then I half debated just sitting in a pub for an hour and going, yeah, I did it. They said no or whatever. And I called my brother and I was like, I'm, I'm standing. He's like, I'll just go in and see what they say. You may as well. And that was it. Went God. in and... Um, wow. That's so they'd taken, they'd taken 60 people off of the online audition, which is what I didn't know I'd been put in for. Well, they um, filmed you then in the pub? Or? Uh, yeah, they filmed me in the pub. That's what she was doing in oh, the night. Right. She was uploading. Sorry, I forgot to mention. <laughs> she uploaded it to the online audition and then got a Can We See Matt on Monday thing. I see. And, and then did that audition. And I was in the band at the time and, and I kept hoping that it would just stop because the uh, very good friend of mine now, Neil Wilson, who was who's a guitarist in my band now and back then, he was putting a lot into this band that he'd sort of put together. Mm. And we'd just finished our album. We just had it mastered. We're just about to go out on a little tour. And I was just really hoping that it was just all going to go away and I could just crack on with the band. But obviously one thing just led to another, to another, to another. And then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to Australia, Neil. He's like, okay, but then you'll be back and we'll just crack. And I'm like, yeah, 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 fine. <laughs> I'm on the live show, Neil. Oh, okay. When does that finish? I, d I don't know. <laughs> 10 weeks later, I've won, Neil. Like, <laughs> shit. Yeah, I know. Sorry. I just, just watched you on this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You were just saying about going out to Australia. Did you have a cracking time when you went over there? I, I did, you know, I really did. And again, they know what they're going to do yeah. way before you see it happen. And they wanted me and a guy called Marlon McKenzie to go through, but they wanted us to be in the boys category rather than the overs. And right. overs at the time was 25. So we were going to be in the overs. I don't, I don't. <laughs> I know. I mean, what like, the hell? I'm like, yeah, beyond yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, oh God, and me, life over. Yeah, 25, <laughs> fucking hell. So um, we're in that final moment before we're going to get called down to see if we got through to judges' houses. And they were like, we just want to let you know that we've changed the age of the overs to 28. So anyone 28 and under 
can you please come this way? And it was only me and Marlon. The next thing we go down, we both get yeses and go into the boys category. So I guess I've always been a bit of a, I mean, I, I don't know how to put it, like not a rebel, but like <laughs> I, I don't like doing what I'm told, especially like when I'm 27 and I've yeah. been around and done enough. Do you know what I mean? And we've got chaperones everywhere and I got on really well with a guy called Rob Davies and um, we got to Australia it's like, and I just randomly text a friend on Facebook that I knew was in, in the city, in Sydney. I was like, do you want to go out for a drink? And I was like, Rob, I'm just going to nip out for a pint. He's like, oh, you can't. I was like, well, Rob, okay, let's put it this way. I, I, I'm going to go for a piss. Yeah. I'll see you later. <laughs> like, like, I'm not going to have you like following me around and all this kind of stuff. So I went out for a, a little bit in Sydney and whatnot and came back at, yeah. Yeah. Know, I had a good time. Oh, good. <laughs> so were they worried about, you know, press following you around and finding you? Or? I think they're just, you're, uh, because I was there with some 16-year-old boys as well, oh, you know. So you were like, so like boy. Yeah, I was, I was supposed to be a boy. And, and I think they just, they've got a lot of responsibility. They, you know, if you went in, got drunk and fell in Sydney Harbour and drowned, it's like, it's on them, bad, you know. And I, yeah, it'd be <laughs> awful. Yeah, yeah. it'd be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make good telly. No. no. Was there training going on, like vocal training, and and did you have much mentoring? Yeah, the the thing that you don't have is is the media training yeah. isn't particularly you know intensive or in depth at all. It's like don't swear. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> try not to swear on oh. live telly. Oh, okay, cool. How do I deal with all the rest of it? Oh, you'll get used to it. Like, oh, you know, seriously? Um, there wasn't there wasn't a lot. There was lots of vocal training, and and the thing is, Verity, is like you're so terrified about every weekend. You really want to get your songs together and this and that or one the other, and they're dragging you around Oxford Street to go and get papped shopping yeah. in Top Shop and sending me down to the Spurs training ground to have a kickabout with the boy. I'm like, I'm ill. I I don't. I don't want to go. Like, yeah. please, can we not do this? Like, I've got to sing live on telly tomorrow and you're making me run around in the cold. I mean, like, I, mm. any big football fan, especially a Spurs fan, would be like, shut your mouth, you ungrateful bastard. <laughs> right? I do understand that. But I, you know, it was a, one of a, a, a great many things they'd made us do that was just, just for t- TV, all the premieres and stuff. It's fun, but it's, it's draining. It's all day, every day. And then the live show, it's like, you don't eat or sleep, you just have adrenaline. <laughs> for, for months, yeah. How bad? Yeah, and are you away from home during this whole process? Or what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that was another. I mean, I went I went home a few times. I was like, Rob, um, um, can you put me a cat? I mean, the Radisson Lee bill must have been unbelievable <laughs> at the end of that. I was like, Rob, I need to go home for a bit. Like, have a have a night out with my mates. And they're, they're yeah. like, are you joking? I was like, look, if you, don't, I know the cab number. If you don't book one, I'll just get on. I'll go. But uh, you know, it was it was weird because the the level of uh exposure and fame at that point that we were experiencing I wasn't ready for by any stretch so I remember we went to the Pride of Britain Awards and I ended up going home with a couple of people and and staying over somewhere else near Tottenham Court Road and I came out onto Tottenham Court Road at seven in the morning like I don't think I'd been to sleep I had a gold suit on from the night before (laughs) and all of a sudden people are like oh my god and I'm like because I've been locked in a house I hadn't noticed any of that I went in totally unknown and now I can't even walk down and I remember going up to one of those guys that sold the hats and I was like, mate, have you got, can I, and one of the big deer stalker hat. <laughs> and, and I was like, can I have that 
deerstalker hat, please. And he was like, yeah, it's tenor. And I was like, I don't, I've only got a card on me. And then these two people were like, oh, my God, it's that guy for that. And he just was like, mate, take it, go, run. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, mate. I ran straight into Topshop and got myself a huge, like, Mac thing with this thing and was just walking around Oxford Street with this hat on and this coat looking like an absolute oddball, like, <laughs> calling Rob, like, Rob, help me get back to the house because I'm getting mobbed. It's mad, like, absolutely mad. So you're all living together, so I guess you, you form some some good relationships in that house, right? Yeah, you do, and it, it and then and then suddenly they're gone. Like you know, I was devastated when Aiden left hmm. on week nine. I remember I was in bits because we'd been through everything together. Like as soon as we got to boot camp, we connected and we got on really really well. And then nothing brings together better or more effectively than adversity, right? So we travel the world together. We go to Australia and we go all the, and we're all this, pre- and we got really, really tight. And then the live shows and everything. And, you know, we were holding each other's hands through the whole thing. Any premiere, we're so shy and retiring. We were like, oh, you get out the car at the premiere, people screaming. I'm like, Aiden, hold, come in. Come in. He's Aww. like, I've got to go. And I'm like, don't go there. I'm coming with you. Like that kind of thing. Aww. And I'll never forget we were doing the Harry Potter premiere and I was calling him in the cab. He just left and he called me and I'm like, he's like, where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm just sitting in the in the cab outside this Harry Potter premiere. He's like, oh, mate. He's like, I can feel you. I was like, I'd do anything to have you sat here, man. This is horrible. Aww. Yeah, yeah, you do get close. And do you keep up with any of the guys? Sorry, you were going to say the same thing. thing. (laughs) Yeah, I still speak to Aiden um, and uh, and Danny. She's still in touch if if we need anything and and whatnot. Oh, nice. uh, My manager for a while was her manager, Um, so we we spent six years, six amazing years together. Me and Nate um, Mm. working. I mean, he's still one of the closest people I'll ever have in my life. But um, he 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 works on other things at the moment. But yeah, I, I I bumped into Harry Styles a little while back actually in my local he came in and um you know we had a bit of a chat then and I've, I've seen him another time i can't remember where it was but um everyone just gets so busy straight away afterwards it's like you're literally all in studios at different parts of the country and and doing this and that one of those hard the machine. to kind of keep tag. yeah yeah exactly. yeah mm. did they send you guys out on a tour all together afterwards i seem to remember that for some years did you have to do that yeah and how was that was that a, a bizarre it- it was mad, honestly, Verity. It was a sold out arena tour of 58 yeah. shows in a row. Wow. I mean, like, <laughs> just, and I can't, I, because you're doing that many and it's not really your show specifically, whoever is going out at, at whatever time of the night, it does get a little bit kind of treadmill type. Mm. And I never thought I'd be on a man lift. About to pop up in front of 15,000 people going, fuck it. Like, whoa. Only half an hour. And, you know, because it's just, and you do meet and greets, two meet and greets with 200 people before each show. So you do a show every day, two on a Saturday and two on a Sunday. So on the Saturday and Sunday, you meet 800 people. Like in a big room, signing, signing, talking, yeah. talking. You know, it was it was bad, and you couldn't do. I was puking once, but on the man lift as I was coming up, I had something rotten the night before, and the guy is ready with the fireworks and the bucket. I'm like, Bleh. and then I'm like popping out, I was sick in my mouth. Baby, you're a firework. <laughs> Yeah, it was a mad, it was a mad thing. But it's like at that point, you're already writing. You're out. Everyone's writing their albums at yeah. that point. So yeah. everyone's in the dressing rooms playing each other's stuff. And like, oh, and then you got to go out and sing "Firework" by Katy Perry. It's a bit like, oh, come on, this could yeah. be way cooler. 
And, and for the live shows, what, what was that like with, with nerves and just preparing for it? And did you, did you get nervous? So nervous. Honestly, Sebastian, it was just, I, I'll never forget like the, the first live show standing behind the Beatles before they're about to open. Because when they play your VT, you're getting set up and the guy's running on, checking yeah. the mic and like, you're looking at Simon, he's like, you're right. And I'm like, yeah, no, like we're all going <laughs> to die. It feels like we're all about to die, Simon. Um, and, I just, I walked out and it was only like 20 yards, but like my knees, my, my kneecaps were just vibrating all the way up to the microphone. And I was like, never felt nerves like this in my life ever. Um, and luckily it is only because you've got to squeeze in 16 acts. Mm. You only get about 40 seconds of song. So it's like, just yeah. cling on and don't <laughs> forget the words. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing oh. like, you know, Memphis when I did that, I mean, that those nerves for my opening night in Memphis, I think that that levelled it easily because it was the entire script. It was every bit of staging. It was every song. It was every emotion. It was just, you know, and you can't just go, hold on a minute. Well, you can, and I'm sure people have gone, line, please, I've frozen. And like a couple of points where I, I did forget something, but you've always got your back. Someone's always got your back on stage, as you know. Someone will be like, oh, never mind about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll yeah. do my bit now, yeah. shall I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were going to ask you about that. So was that your first experience of, of music theatre when you did Memphis? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, the first one. I mean, talk about baptism of fire. Yeah. Like, when um, Beverly Knight called me and said that um, Killian was leaving and they were looking for a new Huey, I was like, oh, okay, cool. What are you, what are you thinking? Like, <laughs> why are you calling me? Like, <laughs> never done it. Michael Ball. Or... <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Alfie Bow, something <laughs> like, like yeah. Are you asking me if I know him? Or like, yeah. um, and she was like, come down and watch it. I was like, okay, like you're never going to pass up an opportunity to go and see a theatre show for free. And I went down and I saw it and I, I, I was, you know, I was watching it with an eye of could I do it? And I stopped believing I could do it after about a minute <laughs> of Killian walking on. And then about 15 seconds into his dialogue, did you see Memphis at all? I never saw it. No. no. It was it was amazing. Like my character was a little bit kind of a little bit of Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam. He spoke very fast. He's a radio DJ and he spoke very fast and he was so like charismatic and energetic. And I was like, I tried to remember as I was watching it. I was like, I've forgotten. I can't. I can't do this. Like, but I gave. You know, they gave me a punt, and uh, you know, I need to thank Tara Wilkinson and Beverly Knight and everyone there for 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 supporting me that much yeah. and, and getting me to the point where I could do it. And yeah, I, it was just amazing. Just amazing. Yeah, it must be so nice to you know having done all that stuff on your own on stage uh, in the X Factor sort of it's all down to you, but to actually be part of a team uh, yeah. and a family like that. No, absolutely. It's, uh, it, and it was like when I first met your brother and it's like, you know, yeah. outside the pub, Aww. outside Strictly, it was just like, do you know what? You just don't get this in the music industry. Uh, you do on tour to a point when I go out on tour, you got your band and your manager and then people yeah. from the label and all that kind of stuff. But that's about 15 people max, maybe if you've got a big crew, a bit more, but this is like 40 people. You've got the, 
entire cast, all the stage crew, all the band, everything. And, you know, warm-ups are a celebration that you're just there doing it. Every time you get out to warm-up, you're like, whoa, we're doing yeah. it again. Yes. <laughs> They're a really nice sort of ritual, aren't they? It is so nice. And, like, Mondays happen in theatre. It does happen, you know. Like, you've had one day off, you don't feel it's enough. There you are, Monday, and you're like, Jesus Christ, we could plough into another week. And then you get down to warm-up and it's like... And then when people are singing together, it's just such a beautiful yeah. noise. And you just get, you're like, you're so ready for it. And then you've got that really annoying half an hour dip before you go on <laughs> and you get all changed and you go oh oh shit we're on <laughs> <laughs> so it's Strictly Ballroom you did that uh, a couple of years later that's where you met my brother yes with your your bro yeah what a lovely lovely dude oh, oh yeah oh, he, he so said well. to me I remember at the time he um, I think you did a sits probe maybe on stage or something yeah and he said yeah, he was so nice. Matt, Matt Cardo, he just, just came up to me. We just chatted for about half an hour. Yeah, mate, oh, got on so well. He's, yeah. so, he's so cool. Please tell him I said hello. I'll, I'll drop him a message, actually. Um, oh, yeah. But no, it was... Um, it was it was pretty intimidating taking over from Will, I must say, um, because I'm such a fan of Will and his voice and everything. And Will Young. Yeah, his... sorry, yeah. That's right. Just and... get the listener up today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I was watching, you know, you do show watches um, as many yeah. as you like, really. Um, and getting to sit and watch Will do it about 15 times was just incredible. Um, and again, so different. Like the, the three roles that I've played have been so disparate. It's it really, And I guess that, well, it's acting, isn't it? But, uh, you know, the going from Huey to, to Wally and then winding up at Pilot. Yeah. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was just the complete polar opposite. And I'll, ne- I'll never forget, um, absolute earth angel Jocelyn Cox, who was the resident director, uh, assistant director, sorry, on Jesus Christ Superstar. There was a point where, you know, Pilot comes on and he's livid, obviously. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of his thing. Yeah. You know, he's absolutely <laughs> pissed right off. And he storms off and he goes through some of the ensemble. And she caught me after one of those shows. She's like, Matt, right, you're on stage and I totally believe in your your Pilot. You leave as Matt Cardle. You'll go, oops, sorry, oops, excuse me. Oop, oop. <laughs> she was like, push him out of the way. If they're in your way, you can't be like portraying this thing. Thing and then you get and like Tino's slightly in the way and I'm like oh, sorry darling like, you know, like, she's like you maintain it all the way through the ensemble if you have to walk into them do it and I'm like okay sorry fine <laughs> yeah it's funny that was at the Barbican wasn't it yeah oh great theatre to be in isn't it it's a nice it, place to yeah. be it was brilliant yeah. uh, it wasn't great for me because I'm West London oh <laughs> so rubbish was, good for me because I'm East yeah, London yeah. <laughs> the, the, the theatre's brand new and the, and the sound was incredible and and, you know, it's such an, like, imposing space with the huge metal curtain at yes. the front. And then at the start of the show, the doors all flip shut. And it's quite like, oh, God, what's happening here? Yeah. We're killing a guy. Nice. That's what we're doing. Slowly <laughs> over two hours. <laughs> your singing um, is, well, you're very good, obviously. Uh, Bless you. Uh, but, but, like, I, I mean, it's a very kind of unique um, sound. Because, like, um, you, you sing... With quite a high pitch, uh, or you can sing quite a high pitch. You sound quite mm. normal when you speak. You sing, uh, but but <laughs> yeah. When did you find, <laughs> but when did you sort of find that range, or did that come you know later? 
It, no, uh, it, I mentioned earlier about my mate in the pub who who owned the pub. who said, "Come and um, come and sing." So I was always trying to emulate my heroes like Eddie Vedder, Kurt Cobain, like Zach Delarocha. Yeah. And I was in bands where I used to scream and like you know I'd finish a gig and I'd be like, "Yeah, that was great." Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if it's ever going to happen again, but you know, like. Yeah. Um, and when I did the pub gigs, I all I did, and I thought, I, I guess, is what everybody does, is pick as many number ones as you can find uh, because you're going to please people. So I, I got a list of these number ones and very popular songs. And when I looked at it and I'd been singing through them, I was like, oh, my God, this is 80% female vocalists in their key, in their range. Um, and it was through not trying to be something else and get through three 45-minute sets that I actually found my voice. And I didn't find my voice till I was 25. Mm. And I was like, oh, I sound like a girl. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, and that's that's kind of where it... That's where all the falsetto stuff kind of came from, was those well, those pub gigs yeah. and doing, like, Mercy by Duffy and, and I'm No Good, Amy Winehouse and all that kind of stuff. But it just it felt easy on my voice I'm not saying it was felt easy but it just I was like I don't I don't have to try to 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 get this sound out and that's obviously where singing and your actual voice sits is where you don't have to to try to sound like uh, you know to anything but yourself and it was kind of it was almost a bit of a resignation at one point because I didn't know that I was going to go on to do X Factor and then kind of shift my musical taste because they were going to change anyway but I didn't expect that being a a 20 something I thought I'm going to be a rock band front man and if I can't sing rock then I don't know what I'm going to do and it really just shot my career off in a whole different direction but um, yeah that's where it kind of came from always sticks to my mind your your performance on the live show of uh, Roberta Flack the first time ever I saw your face because I'd never heard that song before yeah I'd never heard it so I was hanging off every every sort of syllable because like, oh, it's wow. such a great song, isn't it? Like it, it's amazing. You don't know yeah. where it's going to go if you've never heard it before. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was transfixed. I remember I was sat with my mum watching it, and I was like, "Oh, I, I think he's just he's got through to the next next week. He's <laughs> he's yeah. won it with that one." I remember saying, <laughs> oh, that to bless her. you." Did you phone in to vote though, Seb? You know what? I might. Did have, you fa- I might have done. <laughs> Good. Well, oh, well, amazing. <laughs> well it, it's it's a weird story behind that one. Probably, I don't think I did that. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Charming. Um, no, it was weird. Uh, the uh, the year before X Factor, two thousand eight, my brother was getting married, um, and my sister in law called me up and she said, "Would you sing off uh, me into the church?" And I was like, "Oh, don't put that pressure on oh. me." But yes, okay. <laughs> what do you want me to sing? And she said, "I want you to sing first time ever I saw your face." but I want you to sing the Leona Lewis version of it, which is the one that I did on the right. show. Um, so I listened to it and I was like, oh my God. How we? And I, I'd just been doing the pub gig. So I was like, I think I've got the range for it. I'll, I'll try it in her key. I can't, I don't get the full voice notes that Leona does because obviously I oh, cannot yeah. sing like Leona. I mean, that's <laughs> a joke. And I wasn't even going to try. So I kind of falsettoed all that, all that stuff. And then when I got the thing to say, you're going to go on to do the boot camp part of uh, X Factor, here's the list of songs that you're allowed to sing. And the very last song on that list was Roberta Flack, First Time Ever I Saw Your Face. Ah. Ah. So I called up my brother and I was like, Jules, mate, you're never going to guess what's on this list. And he was like, mate, it's a sign, just do it, just sing that. And 
I don't think one other girl did it, but absolutely no way was there going to be another boy doing it. And I think that was partly what was so surprising to the judges at the time. He's like, what are you going to sing? I was like, and they were like, (laughs) (laughs) good luck. (laughs) Off you go. Um, And I had someone come up to me after my boot camp audition of that song. I had one of the production team, his friend came up to me while we were having some food and he was like, what time did you sing yesterday? Because we were getting, that was the results day. And I was like, what? He goes, what time did you sing yesterday? And I was like, oh, I think it was about 10 past three. And he was like, look at this. And he, he got Twitter up. And it was one of the um, people on the panel for, for X Factor. At about five minutes after I'd sang, he just put, I'd just seen the winner. Wow. And I was like, oh, oh whoa, okay. <laughs> like, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I never, ever, ever thought I was even going to get through, let alone win it. But then because of the impact that it had at boot camp, and I started to believe that Simon didn't want me to go because he obviously had built One Direction in our faces and, you know, in real time. I was like, he got me to sing Leona Lewis, Bleeding Love. And I'm like, mate, I can't do it. And I had this conversation with him in the corridor and I was like, Simon, it's just a bit, it's too big. And he was, he was just like, I just think you're scared of the song, Matt. And I was like, I'm, uh, okay, I, I cannot do it very well because it's, it's a ridiculously hard song yeah, to sing. Yeah. He was like, you're just scared of the song. Don't worry about it. Next day, live show happens. I make a complete car crash out of it. And he was like, I just think the song was a bit too big for you, oh, Matt. Oh, no. And I wanted to reach down and grab his head and look, like, in front of him and be like, that's what I said to you yesterday. Oh, <laughs> you know, God. You, you made me do I want to go, he made, uh, Dermot, he made me do it. <laughs> like, so, so the next week I'm in Psalm Studios and I get the phone call and it's like, yeah, he wants you to do first time ever I saw your face. And I was like... Oh, so he wants to give me a chance then. Mm. <laughs> like, it's what I thought, mm. because it went so well at boot camp. If he wants me to do it here, then thank you, because you really stitched me up the week before. Yeah, you know? yeah. I just was a bit in the way, I think, to be honest with you. Uh, Connie Huck actually came up to my mum and said, I've never, ever in my time on X Factor, nearly seven years, seen him so angry about anything. Really? And I was like, about what? But the fact that you won. <sighs> And because oh. he built One Direction and thought they were going to win. Yeah, yeah. And you can see, you know, because I remember when One Direction went out, he, you could see it in him. He's like, I can't, and he turned around and he's like, they must have switched his microphone off because he was probably effing and blinding. Yeah. Um. And then I won and I, I just think it's very, it's it's way, look what he's done with them. It's That's what he was always going to do with yeah. them. I was just in the way. I'm sorry that I won, Simon. Like, you know, you have to do a record with me, unfortunately. You're going you're gonna to put as little in as you physically can, which is what they did, and then you're going to let me go and it's fine. I, You know, but it, he he wasn't he wasn't my biggest fan, I'll tell you that much. That's, that's really, oh, it's really sickening. It must make you just feel like, I don't know, my stomach would go like that. Just. Well, it's, I, just, I was just like, I don't, I mean, like, I understand all your decisions, mate. I just wish you'd given me a bit more support. Mm, totally. You know, you know they, they put they put the bare minimum amount into my week one advertising. Um, and the figures came out, uh, you know, three years later, because my manager at the time was like, he called me, he's like, Matt, you need to leave the modest management because you are not the priority. We just had a phone call from children in need that they wanted you to headline the live show. And one of the other guys came straight over and was like, no, 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 no. One Direction are going to do that. Oh. 
you know so he was like you're not in the right place here they have not got your best interest at heart um so they put in the bare minimum that they had to 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 pr- 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 promote my record even though they put in barely anything it still managed to sell 300,000 plus but what they put into week one advertising for one direction we're talking like mega money and when that all came out i'm like oh okay i get it now oh i see what happens but fine just wish you'd give me a little bit more of a of a a leg up yeah absolutely it's such a shame because in their position they they could really help you out they could put you on a a label that would be right for you or yeah or just hook you up with the right people yeah yeah well they they were talking about doing um it was in the press a little while ago so i i am allowed to talk about it but they were gonna do like a winners of the winners x factor thing and they called me up to do it and i went and had a meeting and i was like they did not expect me to sit there and say what i said to them i was like you actively erased me from your history for the last six years. You've cut me out of every VT that you've ever done since. And now you want me to come back and celebrate 10 years. I was like, you haven't celebrated me since 2010. So why should I come back and help your show out? We'll give you £150 a night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> right. Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah you know what they they, there was lots of money thrown around and i just i was like no i you know i said you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't pay me enough to do it because you know all you even if they didn't want to include me on this like they advertise x factor every year and they go through all the other winners but they'd cut me out of it even as that you know there's still millions of people watching it if you flash up on the screen for five seconds on an advert You'd be like, oh, shit, I remember that guy. Maybe I'll look at what he's doing at the moment. It all helps, but they just completely erase me from their history. And I'm like, okay, don't ask me to come back then. Do you think back to that time when you queued up uh, outside for the first audition and you think, what What if I hadn't have done it? Do you, do you know what? I have I have done, Seb, and I've... I. I don't I would have I would never have stopped I was I was never I never had a plan B and I think you know I can't remember who I was watching the other day and someone said plan B's can be dangerous because you can fall back on it and so I don't want to fall back on anything like I want to fall forward yeah. onto the next thing I never want to go oh well I did I did learn some accounting stuff and I'm just I'm just going to fuck it all off and go and do that you know I I just didn't give myself that option at all and never have done and never will do so I'd still be doing it I don't know if anyone would know who I was <laughs> whether that's a good or a bad thing <laughs> but like I things happen for a reason and I you know and I believe in fate and and destiny and all that kind of stuff um and you know, since doing it, I, I, it's it's only become harder. If I'll be honest, you know, the industry is tough. Mm. I, I guess you would you'd always think, what if if, if you'd walked away? Yeah, um, or even if you'd gone walked away at a, a further stage in the process when you kind of knew you were kind of in it. And you're like, oh, actually. Well, that's, that's one thing I have thought is like, I got so ill on the live shows, um, that I was on uh, various different antibiotics and steroids. And I had, um, itis of, of the, from the bronchials to the larynx. I had everything, tonsillitis, laryngitis, tracheitis, bronchitis. I was from here, like the, um, the last few live shows from about week seven onwards, when I got my mic clipped onto me by a guy in the hallway, 
what I'd do is I'd, I'd bend over and he'd slap me on the back to try and get out all this stuff in my lungs so I could actually get through the, you know, and I went home and I was lying there on my bed at my mum's house with, you know, a pool of sweat in my chest pit, like literally the the worst fever I've ever had. And she was like, I've got X Factor on the phone. They're like, they understand if you're too ill to, to come back, but you you're out if you don't basically and she was like i don't think you should go because you can't bed you know they were injecting me in steroids with steroids in my ass to get me up to do each show and what i have thought is because uh, when the when the voting figures came out that i won every week i kind of think it would have been almost better if i just left then <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> I, I wouldn't have quite have been in the clutches of them as much as i had been but i'd still been winning every week so I'd still have the support outside, if you know what I mean. It yeah. could have been another way around, but you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take it back. No, it was. It was pretty difficult those last few weeks. Though, like sweating out a fever, and Cheryl was like, "You look ill, babe," and I was like, "I'm really, I'm really quite." I had the flu as well, like really bad flu. Simon was like, "I come in when I'm, well, I've got a cold." I'm like, "Yeah, but you <laughs> sit there, yeah, and st- you know, I'm up here." crapping myself yeah. singing and I can barely talk like give me a break <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh dear so funny <laughs> and uh, so uh, what was Rihanna like oh yes lovely she was lovely um, very bohemian smelt great oh and it's a, it's, it's, I didn't realise but it's a thing apparently Is she it? just she just smells great if you if you can't remember I saw it a little while ago it just popped up on something on like the Daily Mail or like and it was all the people that had met Rihanna that just said she smells great what are the aroma notes did. what would you say with the notes <laughs> weed weed uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> Weed, vocal zone, and probably some dip tea perfume. <laughs> you know that is I mean? a winning formula. They're right there. <laughs> if you ask me, it is. Yeah. No, she was cool. She understood. I mean, she was probably as nervous as I was because it's not often that you get to sing in front of seventeen million people. I mean, the, she, they, all those big stars flew in, and the, the ones from the states, at least, they flew in and flew out. Like, flew in the day before, did the gig, flew out again. You know, all private jetted up it's like you don't get that kind of exposure casually that we were getting and we were like oh yeah now we're used to it coming and they were like oh. <laughs> never forget seeing Katy Perry shitting herself I'm like yeah yeah it's scary isn't it like, <laughs> well funny hey and now though on, off the back of all of that where you've had so much like you were saying so much of your career to begin with was quite controlled and is it just mm. like the most freeing thing now writing producing and recording yeah. everything yourself it, it really is Verity, and it, it, you know what? It's I, I always knew that my career post X Factor was going to be a slow burn. My dad always said it to me. He was like, especially when I got, you know, I left Sony. Excuse me. Um, you know, he was like, mate, it's a it's a slow burn. It, you know, it's not a if if you, if all your success came then, then where would you be now? That's the thing. It's like you know, it, it, the industry is tough. It's up and down. Um, but I still think that, that you know the best is yet to come. And having that amount of control and being able to produce the record myself and and write it, you know, like with my girlfriend and my friends, and and not have anyone saying, you know, as soon as you're in someone's pocket in a label, like for usually, well, back in the day, about 150 grand they give you, and they're like, right, don't make a fuss. 
<laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like you can't go, well, now I want to do this. It's like, well, give me that 150 grand back and then do, do what you want, <laughs> yeah. you know? So now that, the, you know, I'm doing it with an indie label and it's like, you know, the, all that kind of pressure's off and, you know, I get to put out the song that I mm-hmm. want to put out and I get to produce it the way I want to produce it. And it's it's just wonderful. It, oh, it feels it, it feels like me properly for the first time ever. Um, and... I'm kind of glad that I'm saying that 10 years after I got my break, you know, yeah. because it really does take a long time to get, unless you've got an incredible amount of support and planning from a label, it, you know, if you're out there kind of on your own doing it independently, it does take a, a long while to to get things the way you want it, you know. I noticed like the artwork doesn't have your face on it. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it gives it a different kind of vibe. It yeah, feels more absolutely. kind of indie, a bit more... Um, in a way, more actually, more like in a weird way, more personal. Even though it's not your face, yeah. it's actually you're showing your your art, your yeah. creation more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Seb. And that and that was that was the main reason. There was a huge part of me that I hate having my photograph taken. I just hate it. Like photo shoots are horrible. Video shoots are worse because there's even more people standing there staring at you <laughs> through cameras and like checking your hair, and you're like, I have very little self-confidence in, in, in various ways as we all do. I mean, it's, you know, we're human. Um, but I just didn't want that, that, oh, like there's me on the fake cover again, (laughs) like, you know, trying to smolder or some bullshit. And I just, my neighbor or Aurelie, she, she showed me around her flat a, a few months ago and showed me her art. And I was like, this is insane. Like this artwork is insane. And then I asked her if she would, you know, can, can I use some for the album? She was absolutely over the moon. I was like, Oh my God, amazing. So the three singles that we've got coming are, or set our sections from a painting oh, brilliant. Um, that kind of match the mood and the feeling of the song. So when the album comes out, the album's going to be the whole artwork and um, the old piece of artwork. But these, I kind of like the fact that the singles are part of the body of work yes. and the single covers are part of a, of a body of work. It just, brings a whole nother level of art into it, which I'd never had before. Yeah. I just had me looking like awkward and uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. the, the whole album is is about, it's really digging into my experience with Valium and addiction and rehab and recovery. Basically, like I'd done so much writing about love and heartbreak mm. and you know like come on man like 90% of songs are about love anyway and I was like I was weirdly thankful for the experience to go and I remember sitting there in the Priory going oh my god well I know what I can do an album about now you know in the moment you're overwhelmed by everything and you can't even think about writing about it if you did it would be some dark horrible like weird very depressing thing but I'm looking back on it now with with like true understanding and um a sense of hopefulness and you know it it just I can see it clearly now and now that's a good time to write about it. And so pretty much every single song is is about it. But, you know, I wrote a song um, for Time To Be Alive, my latest album called Hallelujah. And if you just listen to it, anyone would go, oh, it's a love song, straight up about someone. And it's about, it is just about Valium. Mm. Um, but it doesn't matter what it's about. If you feel love or that way about anyone or anything you related to that. So I've tried to kind of remind myself of that song and that, that, that kind of mirrored sentiment of 
let's make it about that, but let's not be so blatant and don't be so specific that people can't. Like with Purple Crayon, it's like I've had a lot of people say, you know, the lyric, I can really relate to them. And I'm like, well, that's amazing. Like, you know, that's all I want. Um, and if I keep treading that path, which I am doing with the other, the other singles, the other songs, I think it won't be an album of like, oh my God, when's he going to stop banging on about that? It's like, it's, it's hopeful, you know? And I remember Kurt Cobain saying in an interview, he's like, they were like, so what, what do your, so what did the lyrics mean to you? And he's like, I don't care. I want to know what they mean to someone else. That's what's important. You know, I remember there was a song by Silverchair and there was one line that made me think of a situation that I was in. The whole song's about it. That wasn't. Obviously, it's something else. But to me, it was like, ah, God, he gets me. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. (laughs) So, yeah, it it is hopeful. It sounds like it could make for a very depressing album, but it's not. (laughs) Trust me. I'm, it's great. I'm, I'm really pleased that you've come through this this time and, and managed to find such uh, such hope and being able to be creative and you've found yourself a really good environment to do that in. Yes, yeah. Thank you. No, it's it it, it, it like I say it takes time and um I said to someone who was interviewing me a little while ago I was like look the fact that I'm even here talking to you about it is success in my mind because you know X Factor is so fly by night it's very flash in the pan and you know, I'm still here 10 years on writing what I believe to be my best work yet because of the struggles. It it just feels right. It feels good rather than coming out of that show and writing something slightly flimsy and it blowing up and all this kind of stuff. It's like, I'd rather that I was here now doing something real and honest and that that some real darkness and pain as, as, has gone into this album but because of the the retrospect it doesn't sound like that it just it sounds the way I want it to sound and it is uplifting and hopeful but it's got some real weight to it which I I kind of struggled to find after X Factor any kind of weight to what I was saying one of the biggest pulls and appeals of music is mystery. If you mystery, you know, like when Adele first came out, oh, who, oh, what's it? If you've seen Adele's dad crying on her in the kitchen with her dog sniffing around her leg and interviewed ten times in the week, and then which I was going through, like find some mystery in my music. I dare you. Like, <laughs> I know what his kitchen looks like. He's not mysterious. It's that boy off the telly, you know. But I think enough time has past and I've gone through enough shit um that I do feel like there's mystery back in what I'm doing which is which is very handy for me yeah. <laughs> almost thankful for the for the dark times really absolutely 100% Seb 100% you know I wouldn't want to do it again um but I'm, I'm so thankful for for going through it to for for as an artist to be in this position where I feel like I can dig in and write about something that's got so much depth and weight to it does feel good ah yeah thanks matt he's great oh what a great guy very friendly guy he was just like your mate wasn't he He he's like someone you've known for ages so nice and also like i genuinely think he's a true x-factor success story because he now 10 years on from winning it he's now still writing music and doing stuff that he loves in the music industry. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, because so many people have won it and they're not around anymore. He's definitely still a household name. He's still creating music. And it's really exciting that he's now making music, producing it himself. He's obviously got a really good setup, him and his partner. 
yeah. coming up with um, creative stuff. So it's exciting to see where it's going to go. Hey, though, when he said about writing with his partner and being on the same page and that's so important and things. <laughs> did, I mean, for a second, I just thought to myself, <laughs> my God, I felt it made me feel guilty because I thought if Rob and I tried to write something together, we'd kill each other. I thought exactly the same thing. <laughs> Not about you and Rob, but about me and Charlotte. (laughs) It wouldn't go well, for sure. (laughs) No. I think the relationship we'd have would be more like uh, him and Simon Cowell, possibly. (laughs) Yeah, just a a look of uh, disdain (laughs) and just smoking indoors all the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You didn't even used to smoke before. Now we've started writing, you're smoking 40 Marlboretta (laughs) decks. Yes. Has it been a nice week for you, Verity? The have you sun's been, doing been more out. Homeschooling? Oh, I have oh. been doing that, but the sun's been out. And I tell you what, it's great, isn't it? I felt like a different yeah. person once the sun came out. Been running, been walking and smiling. <laughs> All those yeah. things I didn't do in January. You know, it's lovely. Yeah. How it was about so you? Nice, uh, yeah, yeah, the same, actually. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's Saturday the 6th today yeah. that we're recording this. Yesterday was Friday. That was a really sunny, beautiful day. Oh, it? It, was. it was. I went great. for a run and discovered a new bit called Red Hill Common. Mm. I think that's right. Yeah. And it was really, it's like a big, on a big hill. And there were just loads of people just sat on their own, just looking down to the view into oh. the sun. And it, it you could just feel the energy was like the sun was just lifting people's it spirits it does it just changes everything doesn't it it's so yeah. good yeah, yeah yeah really nice i think there's been a real sea change because of that this week so that's great yeah you got the numbers are going down with yes. the infection that's good you've got the vaccine that's going up my parents got their vaccine oh this did week. they hooray yeah. my dad's Charles had parents his. are getting uh they're getting theirs today oh good Good. What are you saying? Your, your dad's... My dad's had his. He had his. At, yeah, he got his at the Plymouth Argyle Football Ground. <laughs> oh, great! Which is excellent. Yeah, yeah. So you know, That's go nice. in there, get a vaccine, then go out for an Iverdoodneys after. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> what is an Iverdoodneys? Is that an ice cream? Pasty, pasty. Isn't oh, it? going to have a fight outside Iverdoodneys. That's lovely. <laughs> I think my dad was probably doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, last week we asked people to email us. Yeah. Did anyone? No. Oh, that's tragic. Come on, but chaps. we didn't actually tell them the email address. Oh, okay. Right. There's a problem. Let's give so, them that. So should we try it again this week? Yeah. Please okay. email us. Guys, please email us. The email address is... Now, get a pen. I'm getting I'm getting mine. Okay. You don't... Not you. you well, no, because I might. You know, if we don't get any, I'm going to eat one myself. Okay, okay. Uh, pen, everyone got pen, paper? Three in a bar pod at gmail.com. There we are. Three in a bar pod at gmail.com. Send, Send us an email. Yeah, go Just on. Tell us something. Anything. We can even mention it next week in our lovely podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'd really like a sort of dispatches section. Yeah, me too. Just notes from our listeners. It'd be so nice. Come on, yeah. chaps. If you don't want to do that, then you could leave a review on the internet, on on iTunes. And that would be like an email to the world. Exactly. Do it. That's great. And then also join our Patreon, please. Yeah, join the Patreon because there are extra bonus episodes for every single guest. Mm -hmm. So this week, there's an extra bit of Matt Cardle. Check it out. There is. He talks 
the studio. He talks Nando's. He talks about beer. Yeah, talking about Nando's, we find out, did Matt Cardle get a black card? <gasps> did he, did he? You'll the Holy Grail. Join and find out. Find out. Well, look, have a magnificent week, everybody. Yeah. Have a magnificent week, Seb. And uh, Thank you, you too. Yeah. Hope the weather, I think the weather's going to get bad, but I think it will get better again at some point in the future. That's, that's right. So just power through and see you on the yeah. other side. Bye, everyone. See you next week. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.